This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. I wanted to take just a moment up top and acknowledge uh, the reality that's staring us in the face today. Uh, We all woke up to some absolutely devastating news this morning. Uh, What happened last night in Las Vegas is so terrible and numbing, I don't even need to relate the news. Obviously, we've seen the images, and uh, they're everywhere. And plenty of people more qualified than I are reporting the uh, tragic facts and asking how this could happen. Uh, So I can't speak so intelligently about that, but there is something I can say, and that's that I've been doing this job for more than 24 years And when I began in 1993, occasions like this were extremely rare. For me or any TV comedy host back then to come out and need to address a mass shooting spree was practically unheard of. But over the last decade, uh, things have changed. Now today, when I came into work, my head writer was standing in my office with a sheaf of papers. And he said, here are the remarks you made after the Sandy Hook shootings and the Pulse nightclub attacks in Orlando. You might want to look at them to see what you might want to say tonight. And that, that struck me. How could there be a file of mass shooting remarks for a late night host? When did that become normal? When did this become a ritual? And what does it say about us that it has? Now, I am not the most political of our comics. I never have been. But I will repeat what I said not long ago after Orlando. I don't think it should be so easy for one demented person to kill so many people so quickly. The sounds of those automatic weapons last night are grotesquely out of place in a civilized society. It makes no sense to me as a reasonable human being and a father. And what's more, we're all tired of hearing reporters, let alone comics, discuss mass carnage in the most affluent and influential country in the history of the world. Something needs to change. It really does. As for tonight, I just want to express that my staff and I are truly heartbroken for the families of all the victims in Las Vegas. We encourage you to help in any way possible that makes sense to you. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Speich. Mm, yes. Metal There's sucks. a logical progression. Yes. From a touching speech to, to our, behemoth. To our show. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Metal Sucks Podcast, guys, this week. Uh, great interview. We got Matt, Matt Hafey from Trivium on this episode. Uh, we touch a lot of things, man. Uh, the new album, The Sin and the Sentence, is out Friday. October 20th. Um, as many of you guys know, uh, we, we are not a political show, so we don't want to take advantage of our audience, but uh, we do reside here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And what happened this last week, uh, it's real hard for us not to talk about. 
you know, it happened at a music event. It happened at something that all of us, um, I think, in a lot of ways could have easily been at, depending on obviously our musical choices. But it is something that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Um, like I said, we're not going to get political on this, but, um, you know, to discuss it, we're not going to go into details. As we took that Conan O'Brien speech, we felt that he said everything that we really wanted to say. Um, we have to talk about this a lot uh, in our society in what we've been doing for years now. Um, and we bring this up constantly. Um, and I'm not one like personally, my feelings on this, um, you know, I'm not one to blame anything. I, I blame the person that did it 110%. I don't point fingers anywhere else. You know, I I've always kind of had that mentality to be like, no, this is all on that one son of a bitch. Um, but then, what we do is we look at ourselves culturally and we think back on, is there, why is this the norm, you know? And, uh, will it happen again? And that's where the scary thoughts come into play. Cause a lot of us feel that, uh, it's just a matter of time for stuff like this to keep happening in the world, you know? Um, and that is where I don't feel comfortable and I'm, I'm talking directly about America. When, when, when something happens, domestic terrorism or you know, outside terrorism, um, we, 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 we feel scared. We feel hopeless. We rely on our government a lot of times to solve the problems. Like when 9-11 occurred, you know, we, the government jumped on. This can never happen again. This could never, ever, ever happen again. We cannot deal with this ever again. So changes happen. We lost some freedom. But, you know, uh, the airport security got real real tough. A lot of things happen, but that happened because that can never, ever, ever happen again. You know, since Columbine, it keeps happening again every year. And in my mind, not to go too extreme, but that's, that's every year, every year. We're talking and in some cases, it's every More, few months, It's every few months. You're completely right. And, and, and that's exactly what, what it is like. And not to, to go to extreme. Can you imagine having some sort of tragedy like nine 11 every year and nothing changes? You know, 2002, 2003, 2004, this happened, this happened, and nothing changes. And so the fact that we're not feeling safe when we go to, I mean, at this point, what, churches, movie theaters, schools, concerts, nightclubs, work. I mean, this is just off the top of my head, you know, uh, hotels, you know. The, the fact that when we enter a room now to do something that's fun, we have to locate the emergency exits. It's kind of in our uh mind to where's it at just in case something happens and growing up that was never part of our mindset um and like i said i'm not gonna it's a it's a double-edged sword if you get political on things but from us from where we stand obviously we saw in las vegas we saw the amazing things that everybody happened after the tragedy well you every know? time there is a tragedy it it it, it Pete has known me for a very long time, and he knows I'm not the most positive person when it comes to people. Mm. But when I do see the beauty of humanity is usually after tragedy. And the fact that Las Vegas pulled together and people were, lines were wrapped around the block of people trying to give blood. The United Blood Services is still booked out. When we got back, I, I was on vacation yeah, when this happened. Okay. Yeah. I was in Anaheim. I met Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles with my wife. 
And all of a sudden we just get these, she gets a call and she's like, there was a shooting. And I mean, I'm immediately on Twitter because as of right now, that's the quickest news source. So, which by the way is terrible because there's so much misinformation being put out there as it was happening. But you know, and just like you said, you're helpless and you, you want to help. And the fact that so many people were helping, I mean, there were, there were people that were giving rides to people from the venue during the shooting. While it was still active, people were going into this war zone, picking people up, random strangers, get in my truck, go. And, and uh, you can never convince me that we're not a good, good humanity is not good. I know, I know. Across the world, it's a, it's a weird thing to say, but I, I believe there is there's there right, is, there's there's the bottom line is, dude, yeah. is there are times where people let their ideology take control of them, and they I don't know how this piece of shit thought what he was doing was the right thing. Even with ISIS, like I can understand they're thinking they're doing this for their religion, so that's how you make this. That's how they justify it. They're going. They, they think that they're doing this for the right things. This piece of shit, on the other hand. What what where was this where was his rationale where was his it justification? Does, does, I'm pretty sure anybody that knows at this point, like this was kind of something that was just there's there's not going to be a motive here. We're never going to figure out why, you know. And, just, and my thing is though, and, is and to this could have happened. There had to have been a motive though, because my thing is, is this guy planned it out? He was at the Life Is Beautiful Music Festival, looking at that those specs, seeing yeah. how that was done. Yeah, you were there. I was and I was doing yeah. stand up comedy at the yeah. Life is Beautiful Fest. And it's just like and then uh, you know, he had he had a room overlooking that just so he could so he could go, okay, get an idea of what he's gonna do at the Route ninety one. Yeah. And uh, the fact the fact that it was so calculated, the fact that it was planned out, the fact that he's like, I want this room with these windows, you know, so it can look like he's shooting from two different locations. I mean, people are thinking there was more than one shooter. Mm. You know, people are running around, and because there's so much panic going on, that everybody was saying there was a shooter at this casino, there was a shooter at this casino. There, there was all the way down, all the way down the strip. People were saying that there was reports of active shooting, shooters, yeah. and what it was is it was guardrails tipping down, making a huge sound, and people were like, "There's guns, run!" You know, and then and then on top of that, there were people out there that probably thought it was funny. To throw the cops off, to intentionally throw cops off, to say that it was at Tropicana, to say it was at the Aria Resort, to say it was at New York, New York. It's just like, that's, that's the part that, the, the, there, there are so many things that but happen let's, let's, here. But, I mean, people could have thought they were helping, so let's not attack them because the strip is a small place. And, I mean, and when you would have 3,000 people, like I was told, like you'd have 3,000 people just bust through the doors of a casino ducking not knowing where shots are happening there's there's like none of that really like how to handle yourself in in a situation like that none of us would do better i mean honestly i can't think of like a shittier couple of days like i'm i I was in i'm at disneyland the happiest place on earth yeah and i've got this and i'm over here just and all i'm doing is looking at my phone the entire time you know and then and then and then on top of that Music legend Tom Petty passes. Yeah, well, it's before, just, before we go, yeah, God, and we will touch base on that. And and that was one thing that, like, like you were just saying, is that when when it did happen, like I got the email first thing Monday morning from like Vincent Axel, and I and, called you. And I was you the one that me, called you. Yeah, right away. And I was just like, no, everybody's okay. We're lucky. All our families are good. All, all of us are good. And the one thing I commented to him was like, I'm like, yeah, when your city's a victim, 
it's hard not to take it personal. And I send that out to them and then I stopped and I'm like, wait a second they're well aware of that they're from new york yeah you know they know all about it they know all about it like and i just like you know and then and then i thought to myself i'm like who's this episode with that we're gonna touch this on because i don't want to like disrespect the fans of trivium i'm like oh matt matt he knows all about it he's from orlando right and then i'm just like wow do we all know what this feels like at this point i mean how many places don't and that's when it kind of hit me and i'm like oh no this is really relatable yeah these crosses and these Vigils to hold the candles and and the pictures of the people and watching you know our local news do amazing things but watching you know the big news just throw headlines out there that are just nonsense bullshit and, you yeah. know and it's like so it's like just watch your local news because they care about your city but the big thing is just like let's do that so yeah they all know you know they they've all experienced it like before us we're, we're late to the game if if you may and it's it's one of those things where. Like I said, we're not going to get political. We're not going to talk anything. Um, it's been we don't have the answers. We, we and there is no, we no don't. answer. We don't. And I don't know if like, there is no answer. That's the thing. It's like I don't know when people do make it political, though. It's not this one. It, this, it, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. It doesn't make sense. There it's are like, things. Here's here's what I want. This is all I want. And I don't know the answer. I know we elect people when we're scared and we don't feel safe in our country. To, to do something about it. That's mm-hmm. all. And I don't know what to do. I'm one of those guys to be like, I don't have the answers, but you guys are the guys that get paid to figure this out. This has been happening since it's happened before, but since Columbine is when it's been such a big weight on our society where things really shifted. I think for most of us, yes, that's 1999. It's 99. This is 2017, you know, and there have been, and, and there has been a progression of kids getting killed in hallways in a high school to children getting killed in the hallways of an elementary school, to people getting killed at work, to concerts. I just want something to happen. I don't want it ignored. That's it. Right. Right on. So, and then, like I said, I don't want to pass over the fact that before we jump into our interview, that's it. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't care. But, like, if government can get together and be like, we got to make our people feel safe. I don't want to be on New Year's Eve, you know, Paying to go out to New York, watching the ball drop and looking at at the buildings to make sure nobody's around. I don't want to be like, where's my safe zone, you know, uh, at the concert just in case. That's not America. That's not the freedom. But I mean, it's the world. I'm I'm just saying America right now. But but there is something that we can do if we started in 99, maybe, you know, with this combine thing. There's maybe something we could do to save some of the lives that happened in in Las Vegas, maybe Mm. some sort of regulation, some sort of control, because there are things that are not, and I don't want to take away guns. I'm not saying anything like that, but there are something that we can do. But those clips that make it automatic. No, that's what I mean. That's something that that, that we could have maybe done beforehand. It's like, Oh, well we need them to stand up to a tyrannical government. Well, guess Mm. what? They have drones and they have bombs and they have jets. So it's like, I don't think your little machine gun or your, or your little clip is going to do that much. You know what I mean? It's like, that's where, that's, and again, I'm, I'm getting off we don't, topic. Yeah, we but don't, I mean, we don't it's like, too far but that's, that's what. I don't want to talk to, we don't want to talk guns. We don't want to take advantage of our audience. This is a metal podcast. We just, like I said, that's, that's how you feel. You feel hopeless and you feel like just, just try government, just try to address it, you know? And, uh, before we get into our no, interview, won't. uh, well, that's what I say. I'm going to be positive. I hope something happens. No, not it, with this guy. If you think it'll happen again, and we all feel like it, it could, and it, 
I think we all feel like it will. Oh, it's absolutely going to happen. And that's no, and I, it's I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to let that mindset happen. When it happens, everybody's going to feel the same. It needs to be addressed. Well, the, the bottom line is uh, the fact that I remember when Columbine happened, it was it took months to get over that. Because we weren't ready for it. No, people we are were over not, this a we, week later. We are not no. ready for it. That's what I'm saying. Like, other than the people in Las Vegas, Columbine shook all of America. I know. And that's why, that's why it's not right political. Here, Democrats, Republicans have been through office. It's, it's not a political thing. It's, it's been different presidents all the way through. But nothing's changed. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not heightened security in schools and things like that. I'm saying, but, like, regulations have not changed. So, anyways... Um, before we move on guys, we didn't want to really touch real quick, but like Brandon mentioned, Tom Petty did pass. Um, we highly recommend you guys go back and check out his catalog. He was as amazing as everybody is saying he was on Twitter. If you don't have his records and all that stuff, we know he's not a metal guy, but this guy is one of the best songwriters. I think of of a generation without question. You go ahead and talk to all of the bands that you love listening to. Yeah. And I can guarantee you about three quarters of those bands are going to be like Tom Petty all fucking day. And when we interviewed Valiant himself, just a couple episodes back on our, on our 200th episode, he straight up said, Lemmy from Motorhead said, you need to listen to Tom Petty and listen to those songwriters. So do you guys a favor, go down that rabbit hole, experience, uh, Tom Petty, um, to his family, you know, like I said, and we just want to thank him for everything he's done for us as far as us during our lives and, and giving us those great songs. And then just on a, and here's the thing, and I, and I know this is completely off topic. And I just want to give a, a shout out to a Ralphie May comedian. He passed as well. Um, that bummed everyone out. I'm a, I'm a member of the Las Vegas comedy community. He's part of the community. And he's part of the community and he's part of the comic community. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, was a, that was a big loss as well. And so just one more thing, guys, before we get on to that interview with Matt from Trivium, uh, just want to tell you about new record guys coming out from Metal Blade Records, Cannibal Corpse's new record on November 3rd, Cannibal Corpse Returns with the latest album, Red Before Black, produced by Eric Rutan. Red Before Black once more raises the stakes, proving that soon-to-be 30-year death metal veterans are still unstoppable. Catch the band on tour this fall along with Power Trip and Gate Creeper. Pre-order the album and get more tour dates at metalblade.com slash cannibal corpse. Once again, metalblade.com slash cannibal corpse. And if you guys have not picked up that new Black Dahlia Murder, it is a must own. I've been rocking it all night. I got it yesterday. Can't stop listening to it, my friends. So it's a crime that you don't own it. Yeah, a should, crime. Jump on it, guys. It's the government great. will make you own it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we, again, we do apologize for the mood and everything like, um, that, like that, but let's get to a happier talk. Me and Matt from Trivium, let's jump right into that right now. Matt Hafey on the phone. We are here to talk about The Sin and the Sentence, which is coming out Friday, October 20th. Matt, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Just been uh, doing very adult things like buy plywood and a hammer drill and fill gas canisters and <laughs> propane tanks and all that stuff. Uh, getting ready for this massive hurricane. Yeah, well, I got some questions about Herba. Uh, I know it hasn't yeah. happened yet. The day we're talking, it's probably one day or two days away. What timeline are we here? Um, it looks like it's going to hit our area probably Sunday, Monday. Sunday, Monday. Okay, so we got a few days before that. So we're actually going to talk because I do have questions about the preparation. But first, I have to promote things. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds so good. Let's start off with a selfish promotion, okay? Hellraiser, yep. a complete visual history of heavy metal mayhem, a copy table book, 
co-written by Metal Sucks' very own Axel Rosenberg. It's coming out October 24th. Uh, the foreword to this book was written by you. So uh, what, Yes, it was. What are the challenges of writing something like this? Uh, this is the first time I've ever been asked to write a forward for a book, so I was incredibly honored. And the first thing I want to do is make sure I read up properly what a forward is, because a forward isn't like necessarily introduction, the introduction of the book. It's not necessarily always about the book, but more so about could be about the author, could be a little bit about the book. And that was like the definition I found. So I looked up a couple different definitions of a book forward and made sure I got it right. And I, I think it came out all right. I, I really enjoyed the book a lot. I thought it was awesome that it's finally a book that describes something that I love so much about metal is the subgenres. And that's the thing that like most people, when they like casually like metal, like when I meet someone like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of like metal and rock. I'm like, it's either going to go two ways. Like I can teach you a lot or, man, you're really not going to get what I like. So I, I love that it had the introduction and I love the starter kit so much. I think it's really awesome. That is good. And now not to give away your forward on the book, um, but did you go for Because you're right. It's, it's kind of like a, it's, you're either going to go with like, you know, Axel and the co-authors um, uh, so something really like personal and nice or like an experience or did you go with the funny or shall we leave it as a surprise? Um, I, you know, I was originally thinking about the kind of funny thing, but I, I didn't go, I kept it right in the middle, you know, oh. uh, kind of factual, kind of, kind of funny, but I, I leave the funny stuff up to the pros. I'm, I'm not professionally <laughs> funny. Like all you guys are. We try, man. We try. Uh, that's for sure. So now let's talk about not selfish promotion. Uh, the Sin in the Sentence is coming out, like I said, October 20th. And uh, we'll be playing both singles after the interview on this uh, episode. Um, but uh, with all your records, you challenge um, – with all, your, all the records that you've done with Trivium, you challenge and take a different approach with, uh, with your two instruments. One, obviously, your guitar, but the other, your vocal style. So what mm -hmm. new element or adjustment can we expect on this record with those two instruments? What we did going into the sin in the sentence, because we actually started writing some of this material, the majority of the, the majority of the record, like right before Silence and Snow actually even came out, the riffs were starting to come up. Um, the song The Riffiness Inside is actually something I wrote back on Vengeance Falls. I originally ghost wrote for another band. They didn't use it. And then my band members were like, this is a pretty killer song. We should use this. Endless Night, I think I wrote around the time of Silence and the Snow. I wrote it for a friend who has a personal training business. And it was like to score their year-end video. But my bandmates also said, this is a great song. We should rework this and turn this into a Trivium song. So the material's been floating around for a while. But the, the general idea that we had going into the sin of the sentence, we said, and we're very analytical and we're very hard on ourselves like we like to be. We looked back at our entire career and we said, what are our favorite things? What are our least favorite things? What are our favorite records? And we all seem to gravitate towards having the same favorites of in waves ascendancy and shogun while we love everything we've ever done it's like picking a favorite kid but you do have favorites when it comes to other records and we said why are those records our favorite and we recalled that with those records namely in particular we were always in a room together with the four of us playing the music as a band before bringing in other people we, we made what we wanted to hear regardless of thinking are people going to like this or are people going to hate this and we made sure we didn't make anything to try to fit into something like not hey let's make a radio single let's make an extreme song let's make this and that it's just let's make what what we want to hear let's make a broad scope of everything we want and that's what we did for silence i'm oh, sorry for, for sin in the sentence we have two Sin in the Sentence, Silence in the Snow, two alliterations. Yeah, alliteration records get confusing. But with Sin, we did that again. We said, let's make the kind of music we want to hear as fans of metal, as us outside of Trivium. What do we want? 
And what it seems like what we love to have is to have everything. We love to have the really simple, slow, catchy, melodic stuff at one end and the other end, the very fast, extreme stuff and the technical stuff and everything in between. And we seem to be happier when we can do everything. And I think the Trivium fans in turn are also more are happier when they have everything as well. So I feel like the sin of the sentence is a great bookend to everything we've ever done. It makes records one through seven make more sense because all the elements of one through seven are on this record. Yeah, and, and as a fan, I totally agree. And the three you mentioned have exactly what you said. You're going to have the heavy, you're going to have the melody, you're going to have the catchy, you know, um, and, and on, on Shogun, Ascendancy, and in Wave. So um, you definitely have them throughout all the catalog, but I, I do understand, like, and that's something that I do really respect and like about you guys is that you will um, put out a record that doesn't sound like the record before. There's a growth in every, like you said, this is Chapter 8. There's a growth throughout each one there's not really a mimic record you know and, thank you very much uh, oh you're welcome no it's I, I think anybody that's been a fan you know for as long as me can see that and appreciate that because that's the one thing um a lot of bands and we'll get into the the new wave of american heavy metal bands like i was going to ask a couple questions about that but that of course they did um it took them a, a little bit longer to start making changes and it paid off for everybody you know mm-hmm. it paid off for everybody and the bands that like Trivium, like Mastodon, that really did change every single record. I think, you know, it, it just it just ages so much so much better while revisiting. So, and with the new absolutely record, um, fans, uh, they kind of have a say in which tracks survive in the in the live setting. Uh, have you ever wrote? Have you guys ever wrote a song, recorded a song, and had that expectations of fans' reaction to be great at the live se- setting, but it didn't go over really well, and you had to shelf it? Mm. Yeah, actually we did. Um, with The Crusade, with the song The Rising, that's one that we've played one and a half times ever. And I know you ask, what is one and a half times? We started the song, and we heard this really weird sound coming through the PA, and we stopped. Our wireless units were picking up taxi cab radios, and it was coming through our wireless into our amps into the PA, and the crowd looked really confused. So we stopped the song. We started again, and the taxi cab stuff kind of stopped because we – plugged in directly with cables um it was a couple things like that song was a single with that record we did something very daring and what the idea with that record was that was one of the times that i don't know if the rest of the guys i don't want to put them at fault with this mindset but for me ascendancy had just done really well in the u.s and the uk i think it's still our best selling record in the u.s and the uk um and when we're looking at that record I was still young. I was 18, 19 years old. We were saying some very bold things like we're going to take over the world. And that's pretty jarring for people who've been around for a while. Because when we came out, we were 18, 19 on our second record. A lot of the established bands that we looked up to, they were a little bit bigger than us. They were kind of the age that I am now on maybe record two and three. Um, I digress on that point. So with us, with the crusade, when Ascendancy was done, I said, I want to make a record that will show all the people that didn't like Ascendancy what else we're capable of. I was like, I want to get all the people and show them that, yes, there are modern elements sprinkled into Ascendancy, but here's our roots. Here's like the stuff that we got into first. And I was also looking at the fact that all of a sudden, all the bands that were out were also doing the same formula we were doing. I'm not saying that we penned and created the formula of the music that is Ascendancy, but we did notice all of a sudden everyone was screaming and singing. There were breakdowns and solos, mixture of metal and hardcore, and little bits of melodic death metal and death metal all in these bands. So I said, well, let's do something else. Let's do what everyone else isn't doing, and let's try to appease the people that hate us. Um, I'm happy we did that record because maybe if we did Ascendancy Part 2, our band would have just 
fizzled into nothing. Um, but we did take a subsection of trivium that we hadn't investigated before and went really far. Like Anthem, I feel like we nailed it. Anthem is a different song, but it still kind of alludes to where we would go with silence in the snow. The rising is a little bit further. So that's a song that we ended up shooting a video for it. It was a brief, brief radio single that I don't think did anything. Um, we don't like the video. We played the song one and a half times ever and that's it. Um, yeah. So we're, we're not afraid to admit that we have, attempted a lot of things some things have worked out very well some things have not and i i'll just so you know i did get to interview uh cory on the sounds of the snow when you guys did that and we did have him rank the records uh and he did put crusade as his uh his least favorite not saying it was bad he was just saying that was yeah. the, the one he felt uh least comfortable. yeah i mean yeah. if i had to rank mine right now off the top of my head i know you didn't ask but i'll do it anyway. yes i'd love i like to rank i like to rank things um sin in the sentence is number one for me right now i know that Hey, it's the new record, so of course it's going to be the favorite one. But looking back, yeah, it should be because a big thing going into Sin, we said this next record has to be the best tripping record of all time or there is no point in continuing. I know that sounds kind of intense, but that was our mindset. It's like if we make another drastic change, and while this record is technically a drastic change from Silence in the Snow, but I feel like it has all the elements of everything. So it's kind of brought everything into a synopsis point. Um, that was our idea. It's like, if this next thing isn't the best, we should pack it up because we may as well. I mean, we'd probably die off anyway if we didn't make the best record. So Sin is number one, then in Waves, then Ascendancy, then Shogun, Ember, Silence, then Vengeance and Crusade. And I, you know, these are my eight favorite Trivium records, but those would be my least favorite. Um, I'm not sure which one would be seven and which one would be eight. I do think Strife is one of the most important songs we've ever written because that's kind of what cracked the door open for radio. Even though the song is like very historically, traditionally Trivium, it just seemed to work out for some reason. But I do love the songs like Ignition and Detonation and Anthem. I mean, Anthem was on BBC Radio 1 in the UK, helped make that record that record went gold in the UK as well. So I know it's kind of a toss up. Those are like seven and eight gravitating towards my least favorite. I wouldn't say the ones I don't like, but they're my least of the favorite. It's funny. Cause like I checked my, uh, you know, my iTunes stats, how it tells you uh, what song you listen to the most. And uh, I have my, I have uh, I have three pr- playlists from you guys. Cause when I go to the gym, I'll, I'll always, when a new record comes out, I, I switch up my playlist, but I don't throw away my old one. And mm-hmm. uh, amazingly enough, the song on, 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 uh, on my playlist that has the most listens is to believe off of uh, a holy shit <laughs> yeah. that's awesome man that's all that's one of my personal favorite songs off the record dude and and uh it's like i can't make a, a playlist for me without it in there and for some reason you know when you're you're grooving to a song and you go back to it that just shows that i go back to that more than a lot of the other stuff so it's always funny because um you know, like I always, I know my favorite records and, and I the way you listen to them, obviously I haven't, I haven't had the chance to listen to the sin and sentence. Yes. But I, I do think of a band's not, if their favorite record isn't the one they're just putting out, you're right. There's some questions to, to, be, mm-hmm. cause you have to be like, no, this, I love this, you know, to go forward. Cause I mean, your job is hard, you know? So, but, uh, I always, I always, when I go back and check it out, it's always something that's unexpected for me. Do you ever have that experience awesome. when you check it out and you're like, oh man, I listened to that more than this. Do you ever, do you ever look at those iTunes stats by any chance? I, I do. I do always look at the Spotify year end stats. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what it said. Like my top song was last year. I don't know if you can pull that thing up, but I remember being, I, I'm, I am always surprised yeah. um, of what it is this year. It'll probably be 
Nihilist by Architects. I have a feeling that's probably my most played song of the year. That or Hydra by Fit for an Autopsy. Those are probably in the top of like one, one percent or the top of everything I've listed this year. Cause, um, I always want to listen to something heavy when I'm going to jujitsu and it's usually one of those two records. And those are both the first track and it's both like one of my favorite songs of each band. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always, it's always amazing. Cause uh, here's a side question. I don't uh, just to say like, have you guys ever thought about doing like a double record? I know it's late into the, or later in the career, but have you ever thought about doing like something like, cause I'll tell you something right now. Like, uh, like a band like Soil Work, The Living Infinite, mm-hmm. I think that that is like a perfect double record. And it came in it is about nine or ten. Yeah. Right. And uh, so good. So good. I, I don't know if yeah. it got the credit it deserved, but I mean, it did that, that. I feel like Soil Work doesn't get the credit they deserve. Like uh, when we do interviews, whether it's like very metal radio or very metal magazines in Scandinavia or it's like rock radio that doesn't know underground metal. We always talk about like we would not exist without In Flames, Dark Tranquility, At the Gates, Soil Work. Like we would not exist without Soil Work. Like that's a huge part of our influence and our sound. And I just, it's, I, I hope they should they should pick up, man. I mean, the world needs to to support them more. Yeah, I always I always there is that ageism thing in music, and that's what I, I don't mm-hmm. like. Because when Living Infinite came out, I'm like to release a double record this good, and it not just completely. And they're so palatable, like to so many yeah. genres. And, uh, yeah, but anyway, so I, when I heard that though, that's the thing I was like, you know what, I, what other bands can do this? And, and one of the bands was, I was like, oh, Trivium can probably pull. <laughs> Thanks I man. I know it's, uh, I, I know to like compare it to that record, I guess, or whatever, cause you f- hold it to high regard too. Would, would there be like a, a thought process of ever doing something like that? Like a double album? I know if we brought it up between all of us in the band and we talked about it, we were probably, the majority of us would probably say the the best thing would be would be to condense to the best songs possible. Because actually, for Sin of the Sentence, we recorded a lot more songs than people are getting. No. And I haven't mentioned that because no one's really asked. So you're like the first person we've told that to. Like there is another original. There is a really old Trivium song redone. And there are a couple covers. So the record was longer initially. And we were going to release it with everything. But we said – we wanted to streamline the vision of this record and we felt like the other things the other songs it's not that they weren't as good as the rest it's that maybe topically they didn't fit and a big thing we've been going off of lately is just gut instinct like a thing we used to do a lot was i'm sure everyone does this like analyze why do i like this why do i dislike this is this move a good strategic decision but for us now it's more like it's that instantaneous don't think about it. Is this right? Is this wrong? And going off of that. And I think that that's, that's where we came down to because we originally had like another, maybe 10 or 12 songs for this record that we cut entirely before ever going into the studio. Cause we wanted to hone it in and make the absolute best few songs that we could versus having, like we were worried if we had 20 songs, would they all be the best? And I think some bands can pull it off, but we were maybe leaning towards it. We're not sure if we can make all these the best. And let's narrow the vision for this one. But maybe someday, maybe someday something different. Like, I think it was a Foo Fighters record. I can't remember what it was called, where they had like the electric and the acoustic record. Yeah, it was like the best of you. I can't, I forget the name of it. I know that song was on there, though. Like the best. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But then we've also talked about acoustic stuff. And it's when we talk about acoustic stuff, we realize that it's better when it's just solo. Which is interesting that the whole band, we all decided, because that seems like something that normally would look kind of weird, yeah. that just one guy from the band's doing it. But we said, whenever we do those acoustic trio things, and it's mixed by someone that doesn't normally mix us, it sounds weird. So it just works when it's just me me doing this stuff. But I've been having the guys help me arrange the acoustic pieces when we do them. 
And, and bringing back to talking back to about in waves, I do remember when I, I got the CD, there was the bonus tracks, but you didn't put them at the end. You guys did put mm-hmm. them in the middle. Is that something yep. that you would consider again, or do you think they should go uh, to the end of the record? I mean, how did you feel? With, Most bands don't do that. They, they try to, like, just, mm-hmm. this is the presentation, but there was virtually two different presentations on that album. So Yeah, because with that one, we had the original track list in mind that had Ensnare the Sun and that had Grace So Dark within the tracks. So when we wanted to streamline the record, we're like, well, we're going to pull these out of here, but they made the most sense there. So let's just put them straight back in because we wanted to flow like we usually think of our things like a movie, like we want it to flow properly and flow correctly. That's why with, unfortunately, I wish I, I can't wait to hear the whole record, but like with the, the new record, we actually close with the most intense, fastest, most brutal song we've ever done ever. I think at the end of the record. And it ends with that because we feel like that, that, that just made sense to us. And um, we were also kind of thinking of like, what's a good midway point. And we were thinking spacing wise of, it's funny to think of a modern band thinking of vinyl, but we we're thinking, where would the reintro be for side C? So when you go to like vinyl two, what makes the most sense is this starting over again. So we were even thinking of that with this record. So we like to have the proper flow and not just stick things randomly. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. So uh, as we did mention earlier, uh, hurricane Irma is about to, uh, come at you there in Florida. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're in Orlando. Um, so, um, you're a little bit away from the, if I'm wrong, please correct me. You're a little bit away from the, uh, I guess, the eye of the storm that's supposed to go through. Um, unfortunately, it looks like the eye is going to go directly over Orlando now. Oh, crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really, really fucking bad. Um, we've been following it, and, like, my, my wife's family, they've always, like, loved to follow weather. So, like, this is the one time I'm kind of chiming in and, like, looking up what they're following. I, I'm really worried about Paulo because Paulo lives in South Florida. He lives in Pompano Beach. Mm. So they're going to get hit really hard. It's going to be like Category 5 when it hits them. Apparently, it's going to slow down a little bit and be 4, 3, or 2 by the time it hits Orlando. But a Category 1 that hit Florida recently, like, really, really messed it up. So 1 is devastating. So 2, 3, 4, and 5 is just worse. Um, it's bad. It's uh, I've just been doing what you can, though, because – Orlando is not an evacuation zone. And I saw our, our governor was like, oh, yeah, everyone should evacuate of the state of Florida. It's like if you put 22 million people on the road to evacuate, that's going to cause a whole other slew of problems. So I think it's important to evacuate the areas that need to be evacuated. But spots like us, like Orlando, it's, it wouldn't be right for us to take the resources of someone who needs to leave, to take the road space or to take the, the fuel or something like that. So um, – Thankfully, we live in a 1950s block house. It's just like a block shoebox. Um, got a bunch of plywood, anchor uh, anchor bits. So I'll probably either put that stuff up tonight or tomorrow morning. I've never done that stuff before in my life, but luckily my neighbor's going to help me out. Um, had to stock up on gas canisters and propane. Had to find a generator. We originally bought a generator on Lowe's.com, and it guaranteed that it would be in the store. And they just canceled the delivery because they were taking orders and not recognizing the stock. I, I mean, people could probably say, oh, it's their computer system. But I think when it's come down to a national disaster like this, you should follow up a little bit. So they screwed us on that. Luckily, I found a generator in a city an hour and a half and away, drove, got that. And I've just been prepping ever since. Like, I'm looking in my bedroom, and I've got all the different, like, portable battery things charging, first aid kits ready to go. I've got our old mattress propped up on the inside of the window where my room with, like, my gaming computer and my studio stuff and my guitars and then we'll board that window just doing everything you can we we, we recognize we're not gonna have power for a while yeah. uh it's it's gonna suck but 
Um, we're prepped. Water, food can probably survive for at least a week or two without leaving the house, which is good. I had a, I had a friend that uh, went th- through a hurricane, and he said that the one thing that he remembers is he had a moment where he looked out the window before they boarded it, and he's like, all right, next time I look, everything will be completely different. And it's always like where he found peace was looking out of his window. And then sure enough, yeah. when it was all said and done, he looked out there, and he's like, dude, I, I, it was, it's a memory now, you know? And uh, Category 4, category, like I said, the news is selling this, like, and, and, like, and the news does sell, like, apocalypse a lot of times, but, like, we're all, like, really worried about this, especially what happened with Harvey just now. And uh, they're selling this worse than that. And so, I mean, yeah, it's going to be an experience and just a lesson. So you've been in Florida, but, you, I mean, you've, you've been there most of your life, or were you born and raised out there? I was originally born in Japan, lived there for a year, moved to San Diego for a couple of years, Coral Springs, Florida, and I was actually there for Hurricane Andrew, and I didn't, I don't even remember it. Oh. So I was in South Florida for Andrew, uh, Arlington Heights, Illinois for a while, and then back to Orlando, Florida when I was about nine or ten. So I've been here since then. So most of your life. So this is going to be the, the biggest by far. Yeah, it's like four or five times the size of. Andrew, which is the most devastating hurricane that's ever hit Florida, and it's like four or five times the size of it. <laughs> now, when you are in, in the city and, and you know that you're going to need FEMA and the government's help and all that stuff, do you, do you, do you, is there some sort of way to be proactive to kind of like get them there, or is it just kind of like you have to mentally be like, I have to fend for myself in this situation and hope? any kind of help that's needed, it will just arrive. How do you, how do you, Ugh. I know it's a tough question, but how do you yeah. uh, mentally brace um, the need that your city's going to need and, and, you know, your state? Uh, I think it's important to be self-sustainable and that's, that's why like a big thing, like when I landed in, landed from Europe on Saturday and we've been following the Houston storms, which were freaking hor- horrendous and it's going to be years of cleanup. Yeah. Um, we said we should definitely go to the grocery store now before people start going nuts. And we really lucked out because we went and people weren't really prepping for the hurricane yet. And then as soon as it broke local news and the national news is when everything just went insane. And it is weird driving by gas stations and they're out of gas and grocery stores to be cleaned out. Everything from like Walmart to Whole Foods is cleaned out, which is uh, pretty intense to see. So I wanted to make it where it's like, all right, we're not going to evacuate because we don't need to evacuate. Um so let's just be prepped, and that's why generator, fuel, propane for the grill, uh, boards for the main windows that we need to board up, which my neighbor actually just texted me, so we're probably going to be doing that in a little bit, going to board up, <laughs> which I've never done before. So it's like I, I feel like I just graduated to become an adult. Um, but we do have enough supplies and stuff to probably last us for at least a week and a half with no power, but we'll be able to run the generator. And I've got a lot of really, like, Real friends that are really great at this stuff. A lot of my jujitsu friends, um, some of them are firefighters, some of them are paramedics, and some of them have just been really good with doing like handy stuff. So they've been teaching me things like generator five hours on, five hours off, um, that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot of work to do once once uh, once we wrap up on the phone here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I don't definitely don't want to hold you up. That's super important. Did Paulo evacuate, or is he still? Is he going to make it work over there? Uh, him and his folks are holed up at his place. He's got hurricane shutters. Um, his place is, uh, I think it's like two stories. So they're probably staying up top. They have a generator there and they're just going to brace themselves. All right, man. Yeah. No, like I said, it's, it's so hard to tell if you're in that situation, how, 
you react and, and to make yeah. the right decision or the wrong decision. It's, it's, you know, it's so hard. So, um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think evacuating, if you don't need to evacuate or people encouraging evacuation when it's not necessary for your area, I think it affects those who have to, like my, my wife's sister, they have to evacuate because they live in a flood zone. So it's like, they need to get the fuck out of there, but the roads are like a parking lot right now and they have two kids. So it's like these things start to stack up, which sucks. Um, so that's why we're, we're trying to make it, make ourselves self-sustaining as possible. And my wife and I, we have a diabetic dog. So that's like one of the reasons why we absolutely had to get a generator to have the fridge going. Cause yes, we could do the ice thing, but ice is going to melt everywhere and it's going to be out if power is out for a week. So it's all like this, this kind of teeter totter thing. So you try to try to balance it as much as you can. I've never had to do something like this, but luckily I am really good at preparing for things. Cause like when I tour, I mean, my fly bag that's in the airport, like that I have on the airplanes, I always have like a first aid kit and a tourniquet and toiletries and change of clothes. And then my day bag on tour always has a first aid kit and a tourniquet and a flashlight. I always have these like little things that some of my good friends have taught me to always have with you. Like a flashlight's one of the best things you can ever have on you at all times. Um, things like that. Nice, man. So let's move uh, away. I don't, I don't want to keep harping because I know you're bracing up and you know, we, we're all, we're all with you guys out here. The rest of the <laughs> Thank you. you guys, you know, I know we can't help, but like when it comes down to it, we know we're, we're going to step up there maybe from our wallets or whatever and do what we can. We just need that. We need that government to do it right. And that's what we're always scared of. Right. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, like you were talking about, you're very much into jujitsu and MMA. Now, uh, here in Vegas, that's where I'm from. You know, we always look at UFC and stuff. It's like our grilled cheese sandwich. And, and we love it, and it tastes great, and I never say a bad thing about it, you know. But boxing is our cheeseburger, right? That's like our, <laughs> that's like our big – that's our only – if you think about it, I grew, I, you know, I grew up out here. That's our only major sport we've ever had. We're going to have the Raiders here. We somehow stole them from Oakland, whatever. But before that, we've only had boxing, right? And then we got the UFC. So I'm not, I'm not you know, whatever. But, like, um, since you've trained, and then you hear my analogy, am, am I an asshole for saying something like that? No, because I mean, for me, I I do like MMA. Like I I'm, I'm not, I don't really follow any other sports. The things that I do follow is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, the sport of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and esports. So like, I never got into football, never got into NFL, never really got into wait football, NFL, same thing, obviously. Uh, never got never got too much into boxing. There was a while where I was like just really hooked on MMA, and. The parts that I like are obviously the grappling parts. Like I'm not, I'm not a striker myself. I don't train any striking arts, but I love jiu-jitsu. So then when I found out through MMA that there's also sport jiu-jitsu and competitive jiu-jitsu and submission-only jiu-jitsu and points-based jiu-jitsu, I started falling in love with that. So I really follow sport jiu-jitsu a lot. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a game changer for me. I love it. I mean, I, that's what I was just doing right before the phone call. It's uh, having to learn something from the ground up that when I first jumped into it, I sucked so badly at. And even any day I go there, if I go with someone who has more experience than me, they're going to beat me. That's a very humbling, great thing to be able to have in your life. So to learn something from the ground up again was amazing for me because I've been playing guitar and singing my whole life. So I never really thought of the fact that I was learning something. Um, But I was able to apply that methodology to what I've already always been doing. So thanks to jujitsu, I've become a better singer, screamer, guitar player because it showed me again what it is to work at something. So I've applied that method 
to everything I do in life, thanks to jujitsu. Now, have you ever been like, like, have you ever got your neck tweaked or hurt your arm and, and been? Oh worried? yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh I yeah. Think that would happen oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff happens all the time. Oh, okay. um, so when I was worse, a white belt, you're used to like with the pain, you know, like if you. Have oh yeah, there's there's yeah. always there's always something. Um, and the time that people get hurt the worst and the scariest people to ever train with ever are the newer ones. Hmm. Like training with a white belt, you're gonna get hurt because they don't know how to control their bodies yet. Um, so when I was a white belt, I was teaching our sound guy for a couple of years and it was like two hours before the show, I bent two fingers of my right hand back to the back of it and it's still crusty and it's been like three or four years. Um, so it's like little, little things like that. I mean, it's just the nature of any sport, like any sport you play, even basketball, you're going to, you're going to have stuff. Um, yeah, every first day back, I plays basketball, yeah. they get hurt at the park. Because like you said, yeah. they're playing with the new guys and they're just not going to know yep. how not to hurt you. You nailed it right there though. Yeah. Yep. So like when, I, when it's time to go on tour, time to do a record, like I limit myself to my training partners, just the ones who know what I do. I, you know, if you're, if you're ever any new jujitsu practitioners are listening to this and are like, oh man, I'm new at my gym. I'm afraid to know who to go with, go with the black belts. They're not going to hurt you. They're going to win. It's going to be exhausting. You're going to be tired, but they're not going to hurt you with like elbowing you or kneeing you in the face by accident because they know how to control their body. So that, that's usually what I, I always recommend, like learning from the best. So if you're brand new, train with the black belts. Ask them questions. Be respectful. Don't flail. Don't freak out. Lose. Lose with grace. Tap a lot. Tap often. Tap early. Um, I, I love it. I love it. I love jujitsu as much as metal, as much as gaming, as much as food. Good stuff in life. Yeah. <laughs> food is, yeah, food is definitely up there. So we're going to go to a list question because we were just talking about those big four lists, right? So big yep. four lists, I think, have been pretty easy for a lot of genres. You know, your guys' wave, like, for example, thrash, the big four, grunge, you know, death metal. It's, it's easy kind of to, to pinpoint the top four, top five, type six because the genre does have a very specific sound. But then, like, when you get to, like, alternative metal, that one's, going to be hard you know uh I, off the top of my head i'd go with like tool nine inch nails i don't know faith no more and primus something like that right and mm -hmm. uh but i don't know if that's like legit but those bands besides you know it, it's always harder for them to break through now with the the new wave of american heavy metal you had trivium you had lamb of god hate breed uh, i don't know kill switch avenge sevenfold mastodon if I'm allowed to say as I lay dying, as I lay dying, they were up there too. You know, all these bands that sounded completely different that were trying to get lumped in to like kind of uh, just metal as one genre, you know, mm -hmm. do, do you think that hurt you guys in your momentum because there was so much different kind of competition rather than rising all together? That's a good question because when we came up and still now to this day, there aren't really like a lot of, there's, there's no other bands that play the same kind of music as we do from Florida. Mm. You know, when we look at new England, we'd see a lot of these bands that all knew each other and they all came up together. We look towards the California area. A lot of bands that came together for us, Florida's like a really weird, weird spot. We've had a lot of massive bands, but it's all been completely disconnected genres. I mean, the other Orlando band I can think of right now is a day to remember where, yes, both of us can play the same festival together or maybe even the same tour, but we're so different. Um, but then we also have like Limp Biscuits from here and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And uh, it's when we were coming up because we were so new when the quote new wave of hair, new wave of American heavy metal thing was being penned. We weren't really often put into that. Like press never really put into that. And 
put us into that and other bands never really referenced us in it too much and we started touring internationally and the first place that picked us up was the uk i think people started getting confused where we're even from which i kind of liked because what i liked about it is it it has all of a sudden made us just a metal band and it didn't pen us to a place it didn't say we're from here from there and i think that's the big thing with metal is it is such an international thing it is such a mixture that draws in so many people and with our band because we have so many influences from metal, melodic death metal, metalcore, hardcore, punk, like all these things are in there. So I think it draws people in a different way. Um, I have seen, yeah, the, the term of new wave American heavy metal, it's not really used as much anymore. And there isn't really a new term. I've been calling some new band, like newer bands like modern metal, which may not be right, may not be the right term. Um, but yeah, it's the States is a little bit different, I guess. It, it's harder to, to piece things together. Like when we were in Europe just now, Vakan Open Air, Emperor Headline, we were direct support. And the crowd was amazing for both bands equally. When we headlined Motoculture in France, it was this extreme festival. Like we played, uh, we headlined that day. Us and Opeth co-headlined. Crisian was before us. I think Septic Flesh played, uh, Sepultura played, and it made sense. It's it's interesting that we can we can kind of jump in with these very extreme metal festivals and hop in and out. And like in the states, we can also play like radio rock festivals and be playing alongside like radio rock bands, and it still works. So I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know what the right answer is on that. It's a good question. It's making me think. Um, but yeah, we've never really been part of a scene. Um, I one feel, of the things we like a lot of that for a lot of the bands though during your guys's rise and and the yeah. scene like when there was a new metal scene like if you go with the the big bands of the Slipknots, the System of Downs, you know Mudvayne, whatever they rose kind of together like it yeah. wasn't just like one and then yeah they separated as they got bigger but they rose together where you guys all seemed to rise but it was all kind well, of I think it was yeah. it, it was like Shadows Fall, Killswitch, Lamb of God were definitely like yes yeah kind of the ones that were leading the charge and I remember those were like the three that were really leading it but then like on the outskirts you had bands like Bullet growing on one side and Avenged ourselves so yeah that's, that's a good question a good point and now it's like totally shifted directions now it's like it's a good thing I don't know which bands we would be best lumped in with and we can go out with like Swedish melodic death metal bands or like modern American bands that have maybe more punk and hardcore on, on their influence than we do. And it works or like that. That's what we're about to do. And the States is like one of our highest, quickest selling North American tours we've ever done with Arch Enemy. And it's Trivium. Yeah. Trivium, Arch Enemy, While She Sleeps Fit for an Autopsy. Four very, very different bands, but somehow it all makes sense too. Mm. So it's weird. I don't know. I, I like it. I like when you can mix things that don't make sense. Um, but we definitely would like to keep things heavy, whether it be metal bands from the metal scene or like metalcore bands from the hardcore and punk scene. I've seen you guys live with like a, a radio rock band um, out here in Vegas. And when you guys take the stage, you are so much heavier than them. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, like I, and I can hear it like on the record. I'm like, no, it makes total sense. But when you guys take the stage, you're like, no, that's heavy. Like it, it, yep. there is like, you can tell the difference, you know? Um, yes. And I believe, and I'm not saying anything bad about like, you know, it was like Tremonti. I believe I saw you with it. It's just, you guys were just heavier, you know, um, yep. on that, on that level. So, um, 
couple more questions and I'm going to let you go board up those windows. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that before. But uh, yep. so, I mean, you guys are coming up on your 15 years. Uh, you've been a recording 15 years that you've been a recording contracted band, uh, not mm-hmm. length of the band. But at this stage, you have to celebrate anniversaries of past records uh, for us fans primarily. But, um, you know, who've been with you since the start. So what feeling comes with revisiting a, a past record in its entirety? We've actually never done like an anniversary tour or an anniversary record thing. And we are seeing that that definitely is the trend right now. Mm. So with us, with being Trivium, we always like to look at what we've done and what everyone else is doing and do the opposite. So like we are seeing a lot of bands doing the 10 and 15 year anniversary thing. So in our heads, we're like, all right, we should wait till 20 now. (laughs) Um, I I don't know why we always want to do that, but I, I think that, now with or with Trivium for forever, we have so many different fans that have come in on all the records. Like we have fans that just love Ascendancy, that just love the Crusade, that just love and like every single era has had different fans come in on it. So it's important for us to always cover the ground of everything. It's almost as if like our catalog is a festival of bands, and we have to hit something off everything. So. I don't know when we'll do that. Originally, we were going to do Ascendancy from start to finish. I think it was the 10 year or so, and it just didn't work out. It was supposed to be a bloodstock. It didn't work out, but I'm glad it didn't because it showed us that maybe that's not for us. I mean, to be able to see Emperor do Anthems to the Walk in the Dusk was incredible, and I mm-hmm. think that was like 20. I think that was 20 years, I think. 97. Yeah, yeah. It was 20. Yeah. yeah. And so that that one, that's like a landmark. That one's killer. We saw Metallica do Master of Puppets. Um, I think that was maybe the 25 year. So I, I think he's going to hit it. though. Ascendancy is a landmark, but <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a landmark record. I'm just, I, know, I know 20 years in, you'll be like, you'll, you'll see. I tell you. So yeah, 20, 20 will do it. Well, 20 will probably do it once it hits something like that. Because now that we see like 10 is an easily achieved thing that everyone's hitting 10 years. Let's, let's, let's do something harder. We like to give ourselves a pretty difficult task. Excellent. So in the last question I got for you, man, the send in the sentence, like I said, coming out October 20th, guys, pre-order that, pre-order that, pre-order that. I got a coworker with mine. He got the, the $100 with the red vinyl, my buddy Edgar. Oh, man, that's awesome. Super excited about it. And I'm like, all right, man, I bought the CD. I'm sorry. But anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the send in the sentence will have its own story just like the previous seven. What do you hope that story will be when you get to that this album's 20th anniversary. That this was the record that finally all the fans of all the different records that have always been divided on their favorite records can all agree on. Because it's, it's fun. It's fun when I ask our fans like on social media or something like, hey, rank your favorite Trivium records in order from start to finish, just like I did in the beginning. What's interesting is it's never the same. It's, it, there's no trend. There's no... Like, we'll have kids that the Crusade is their number one top favorite record of all time. We'll have kids that it's Vengeance Falls, kids that it's Silence in the Snow. And uh, maybe a longer time Trivium fan would, would never really imagine maybe those three being the favorites. And they'd think it should be Ascendancy or Shogun. Um, hopefully Silence is the one where they, they can all agree. Like, yeah, this one's my maybe second favorite for them since they already, they've had their favorite for a long time. But I think this will be the one that makes Trivium make sense. And that you can't really say Trivium is just this one sound, but Trivium is multiple sounds now. And it's, and it kind of always has been, I think sin is like looking at our entire discography on one record. And I, I hope that people get that. Perfect answer. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly, uh, 
that would, looking back, I, I hope this is the future talking here. So, um, <laughs> everybody, just one more time. The sin and the sentence. I almost said silence in the snow. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I did that like 10 times on the press tour. <laughs> the sin and the sentence is out Friday, October 20th, guys. Pre order it right away. Co headlining tour in the States with Arch Enemy, Fit for an Autopsy. It's going to be a fantastic show. Check dates, guys. Make sure you go there. Uh, don't miss that tour. Uh, I've seen both bands. I don't know how many times, but, you, I mean, the live show is going to be just intense. Actually, I've never seen Arch Enemy with Elisa or Alyssa. I don't know how to say her name. Yeah, we, we toured with Arch Enemy back with Angela, like, a lot, a lot back in the day. And Wages of Sin is one of my favorite records. But I think War Eternal, the last full length, is the best record they've ever done. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that record. I think that song, Avalanche, is one of the best songs they've ever written. And Time is Black is incredible. It's such a good record. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. So, uh, awesome, man. So, everybody, uh, make sure you check it out. Matt, I want to thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. And you take care of you and yours. And everybody, have Florida in your prayers uh, these next couple, uh, couple weeks, man, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for the great interview, man. Oh, you're welcome, man. Thanks. Big fan. So awesome. Thanks so much, man. Yep. Bye.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
right, dude. So uh, just probably one of the nicest guys I've ever spoke to. I, I mean, we could have talked for, for longer and more. He was, he's fantastic. So the two songs you guys heard is off this new record, The Sin and the Sentences, comes out October 20th, guys. Once again, October 20th. And they are going on tour, as you mentioned in there, with Arch Enemy. That tour starts October 28th in the States. Check tour dates. Fit for Naptots, he's going to be there as well. It's going to be a fantastic tour. Uh, the songs you heard, the first one, guys, is The Hearts from Your Hates. And the second one is the title track, The Sin and the sentence so uh that will do it this week for uh metal sucks podcast guys once again we want to thank everybody out there for listening as always and uh you know hug somebody tell them you love them yeah hug your loved ones and uh hashtag vegas strong vegas strong guys the metal sucks podcast is signing off this is the jabberjaw podcast network 